And I think I told you the story. It's my favorite radiation story ever. Um, you're only in on the table, locked down for like, what, two, three minutes? That's it. And so um, they asked what music I wanted to play. And I said some Dave Matthews. And it was Gravedigger. It was the song that they played. And I was like, that's fantastic. A new diagnosis has a way of clarifying the things that are important. We all age. We all get sick. We all die. There's deep meaning to be found in living with a serious illness. There's fun to be had in someone's last days. And there's a lot to be learned from a person whose finish line is in sight. The conversation you're about to hear is about sharing experiences, finding what's meaningful, leaving space for sadness, leaning into grief, laughing about absurdities, wondering about the transcendent, and thinking together about an experience that we will all have someday. My name is Cody Huffstedler. I'm a palliative care chaplain in Denver, Colorado, and I interview people who are coming to the end of their life. You could say all the negative things you want to about social media, and you'd be right. But without social media, I would have missed the lives of some of the people that I genuinely care about, simply due to time and distance. And it would have been a shame because I would have missed the journey of my next guest on the Dying to Tell You podcast. Little ninth grade Cody didn't know that someone could be simultaneously cool enough to be a cheerleader and nerdy enough to be in the marching band. But when I showed up at Naaman Forest High School, there was Nancy. So much energy, an infectious laugh, and able to transverse the teenage social classes with ease. I've seen Nancy living with her brain tumor for several years via social media. I was hesitant to ask her to do this because she is so young. We were born on the exact same day and she isn't dying right now. And also because living with a potentially terminal illness and talking about that potential is an issue of vulnerability, which we talk about a lot in this conversation. So please enjoy the energy, infectious laugh, and the beautiful vulnerability of Nancy B. This is Dying to Tell You. Kind of start at the beginning, like where um, where were you, and um, how did you how did you find out that you have an illness, and then kind of tell us tell us what it is. Okay, well, um, I was 24 and I had a grand mal seizure, and so uh, we of course did all the scans and found a brain tumor, but it wasn't cancerous at the beginning. It grew so fast that we stopped treating the seizures and went ahead and did surgery in January of 04. And so they took out the original tumor, and uh, I was paralyzed from the neck down at 24 years old. Oh, and my surgery, and we'll, we can go back to this if you want. It's just kind of an interesting, stupid thing. I was awake. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, yeah it, was, it was an open craniotomy. So apparently I was making comments while I was <laughs> going under about, wow, this is way better than Utah beer. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't realize that I was saying that because I, you know, it's anesthesiology. But they brought me back to a place of, um, like, where I understood what was Awareness? happening. Yes. While they, after they had uh, done the incision, and so I heard the drill. I smelled the smoke from when they were drilling into my skull, and then I heard the where they took the fluid off of the membrane off of your brain. <laughs> you do you remember all of this? Oh yeah. Very poignantly. It was really cool. I actually asked if I could have some pictures of my brain, and I never got them. 
So yeah. But so they wanted they did it that way so that they could tap on my brain to see, okay, can you feel this? Where do you feel this? And that's when right. they knew I was paralyzed. When they took the tumor, they took more than just the tumor, which you know, tumors and brain don't look that much different. So I mean, I'm grateful they got all of it. That was fun. Were you, <laughs> were you scared? Um. Yes. I remember a couple of days before just sitting in the bathroom sobbing. I mean, you're 24 years old. You'd think that you're invincible at 24. Um, of course you do. But I was in a wheelchair and did a lot of physical therapy. Well, I was on a walker when I moved home. Um, so by the time, or was I walker and a cane? I got out of a wheelchair and I was able to drive to when I got back in. Oh, really? Yeah. So how how long did it take you to get from paralyzed after the surgery to able to walk and drive? Um, five to six months. So it was just a rerouting of the brain. <laughs> um, and they thought that yeah, I worked pretty hard. I was twenty four. <laughs> like this is not my life. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I didn't have any seizures, and so we thought everything was done. So I got back on my feet, and then my friend Summer got married up here in um, Post Falls area, which is just west of Coeur d'Alene. I came up for her wedding, and I just thought it was so beautiful. So not too much longer, I moved up, and uh, my husband is her brother-in-law. So she stuck with me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that's how I got to North Idaho. Everything was fine. There was no indication of any brain damage. I mean, I still limp, so there is permanent damage because my brain has to reroute, and the longer it's been since you had surgery, the more difficult it is to reroute. It's, it can, but I mean, I'm, I'm still walking. I have a limp, but I'm not on any sort of walker. I'm not on a cane, obviously not a wheelchair. We swim, we kayak. I was mountain biking. Try, try it again next year. Um, now, I want to ski again, but that's probably not going to happen, but that's okay. And so I think we, it was like a year and a half into our marriage, I had a seizure. Um, so then we started getting scans again and it was just, oh, that's just scar tissue. It's just scar tissue. And then um, we were married seven, we were married seven years. And a, uh, instead of just these little dizzy, I call them dizzy spells, my legs started convulsing, which it hasn't since radiation. Um, and so... That's when they said it was just scar tissue, so let's just look at it and take seizure meds again because I wasn't on seizure medication. Um, And then they changed from my foot and my leg to my hand and my face, and that's when we went to to a neurologist, and um, the radiologist said it looked fine, and I I said, I want you to look at the scan. So he's like, oh, yeah, you have a little growth. They decided to do radiation treatment. So my daughter was three. This would be 10 years ago. So we did radiation and it shrunk it and it stopped my oncologist because at that before it was just a neurosurgeon. But now looking through it, when they put the dye in, it lit up, so it's cancer. So they put me with an oncologist instead of the just the neurosurgeon or a neurologist. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Sure. So because you're now wow. not doing, diagnosing seizure disorder, now you're looking at a cancerous tumor. Right. Um, so he went back and did a pathology on the original and they had misdiagnosed me, and it's an oligodendroglioma. <laughs> so uh, that's an interesting Say it again. one. 
oligodendroglioma. It's one of the more rare brain tumors. However, there's no uh, case of metastasizing at all anywhere in the brain. It stays focalized, but it's incurable at this point. Um, it will just continue to slowly grow. And those with it, we call it an oligode. Um, you just watch it and you treat it as it begins to grow. And The, the sequence of events was after you got married, you had a seizure. Uh, and then you were like, this is a problem, uh-huh. <laughs> right? Yeah, well, here we and go then, again. Uh, <laughs> so we did radiation and it was fine. Everything kind of stopped, shrunk. I had no seizures whatsoever. So the next one was five years ago, I guess, that I was at a harvest party. So I homeschool and it was our homeschool community. And when my seizure hit, it was uh, weird. Like I couldn't, my hand felt like it was weightless. And I was just going, okay, we're in trouble again. Here we go. I mean, you know this is going to happen. What? Um, and it was like, it must have been terrifying the first time, right? You're 24. <laughs> Here we go. Yeah. You're going through it the first time, right? Like, the second time it happens, you knew something was wrong, but you weren't, um, you didn't know that this was something that was going to come back, right? The, that you were just going to monitor and it was going to keep growing back, right? You're going along, you got married, you did I mean... I'm assuming that at some point you were scanning or, you know, keeping an eye on stuff, but you didn't know that something was going to happen. Um, I wasn't scanning. No, nothing at all. <laughs> no, I'm just like, everything's living your life. So that was why, when I had my next seizure, I was really surprised and I was crying and I think I got really sick feeling and I'm just, you know, I told Robert this wasn't supposed to happen again. Um, um, so that was really hard. Um, yeah. And yeah, so. And then, and you got the the diagnosis, and you well, got the radiation. Uh-huh. And at that point, so you knew that it's likely or possible that it's going to come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, at that point, we knew this was a constant. It will be a constant battle. Um, uh, so eventually, if the tumor is the cause of my death, it's a seizure. Oh, really? Yeah. Most likely. However, no. um, that is not necessarily the case because they're researching oligodes and my, neuro- my neuro-oncologist said that they had some medications. I don't know really well, so I won't speak out of turn, but they have some new medications that might do uh, really well with the oligode. So to, gotcha. to eliminate the need for saying eventually this will, this can eventually kill you. Um, but they've come so far, even from 20 years ago. Yeah. Um, so it has been 20 years in July was my first seizure 20 years ago. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess that's right. <laughs> yeah. we, are, we are 44. Yeah, I still don't feel like I am, except for when I walk. Yes. <laughs> my mind yeah, is I'd... still like 18. <laughs> I want to wander out of the valley with the river takes far Time to ponder in the fields around me Well, there's nothing but the breeze in the great unknown I think I told you this story. It's my favorite radiation story ever. Um, you're only in on the table, locked down for like, what, two or three minutes? That's it. And so um, they asked what music I wanted to play, and I said some Dave Matthews, and it was Grave Digger. It was the song that they played, and I was like... <laughs> That's fantastic. 
<laughs> I thought that was so funny. So on my last day when I left, I said, hey, by the way, that Gravedigger song was perfect. And they're like, oh my gosh, we were so embarrassed. I said, no, it, no, it so locked good. it up for me. So it just puts a lot of, I, you know, you just grab humor for what you need to grab humor from. But it was great. For sure. <laughs> So oh. you did you did some radiation mm-hmm. then, yep, and it was and and fine, yeah, for yep. uh, four years. That the seizures before the radiation were the leg jerking and the arm jerking in the face. All right, the hand okay. lifting for was yeah for the first chemo. And what made you, or I, I guess, what made them, or what made you decide that chemo was the thing? It was my only option. They won't radiate the same place twice because of scar tissue. It's just, we now have damage. Um, so there's radiations off the table. Surgery is off the table um, because of it just keeps growing down into my brain. So we're going to hit um, possible permanent paralysis, possible. And it's just, you know, it's in the temporal lobe. So we could have memory or personality problems, I think. We'll go into the emotional part. I don't like talking about emotions. Well, you're going to need to. I know. I'm, I've gotten a lot better. Um, but I got really, really angry at the Lord, like just really angry. Um, it just didn't seem fair. Um, not when I was diagnosed, but halfway through chemo. And I was homeschooling my daughter. We were in a community. At this point, she was just going on nine. And I'm like, why? She had to watch me go through radiation. I was asleep for a lot of healing and radiation treatment. So I missed a lot of her life in that point in time. So yeah, it's really, really right. angry during chemo. I was angry at God. Angry at the Lord, yes. Saying Why me? This isn't why? fair. Why? Yeah. I'm, you know, paralyzed, partially paralyzed. Um, it's just as you know, it's not it doesn't make sense. I love you, I've always loved you, I've followed you, and it's just like why? So I was really, really angry. I got a little depressed, and then after, okay, I got a lot depressed. And then afterwards, after the first chemo, I suffered some PTSD and some rage. So, um, Tell um, me about that. Would you? Yeah, I just don't remember what I felt like. Okay. Um, I can try. So I remember coming out, they stopped chemo two months early because the tumor stopped um, growing. It started to, it just stopped and maybe shrank a little bit which I was really grateful for, and I just, you know, praying, you know, pray. it was an answer to prayer. But then when you're done, you know, you're sitting here, and it's just all of a sudden you're done, and you felt like it just, because I don't allow myself to feel or express emotion, I have this time, which is why I'm doing a lot better. Um, You just, it all comes raging out just when it's all over. Um, When we were at the end of a school day, at a community day and I was just and I don't remember what I said but it was a raging monster beast and so my yeah. my mom lives up here in Rathdrum which is close and she's a flight attendant for Southwest so she was gone on a devil and so I took off and I went and stayed in her house um, for several days by myself because it's cheaper than a hotel yeah you were just feeling a little overwhelmed all of rage Lots and lots. Anger? Yeah. Sadness? All of that? I think the sadness was like under, hidden beneath the rage. So once I was able to work through the rage, um, then I got really sad. So being by myself, 
I allowed myself to work through it, and there was a lot of crying. There was no more anger by the time I came home. Um, what were you angry about then? Because you, the chemo had stopped. Mm-hmm. Are you still feeling angry about the fact that you, I mean, this is a burden you're going to carry for the rest of your life? Yeah, that and... Um, I mean, that's fair, <laughs> to be clear. I think that is a fair thing to be um, angry about. Well, there's, you know, and it's, now it's not anger. Now it's we talk through it. Um, but sure. you don't, you know, you're a mom and you see all these other moms. We homeschool and, you know, they're taking their kids on trips. They're doing all this stuff with their kids. They're super moms. Homeschool moms can be super moms. I'm not a super mom, you know. Then sure. I just have one. However, one is just as hard. Um because you're everything for that one. <laughs> so, yeah. but you know, the comparison when you, you compare and moms just do that in general. It's not even me as a mom doing it because I was sick. It's just moms and women do that. So that's what I was dealing with was just, you know, I can't do these things with Michaela. Um, it was, it was mournful. Um, I allowed myself to mourn that and grieve that. And then, but I didn't tell her because she was nine um, yeah that that has come up this time because she's 13 so this will be a lot longer this one this overall mm-hmm. it's just a lot more chemo and my uh, levels are have been not so great yeah so i've the last time i did chemo was june 28th and i was supposed to be on my la- i have two left and by schedule i was supposed to be on my last one on the 20th of this month so my white blood cell counts tanked. My red blood cells went down. My liver counts went up. So I'm still not able to do my next, my second to last round. So this one's going to be longer and it's been harder on my body. So, I mean, I think I was partially grieving my youth as well, you know? Well, that's a really good point. I mean, how old were you? Uh, I turned 40. That was during my 40th birthday. I mean... <laughs> Right, I mean, like that was my that was my third go round, and I was turning grieving, forty. Grieving youth, I, I mean, I I did that at forty, and I don't. I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not dealing with brain tumor, or chemotherapy, or chemotherapy, or any other kind of therapy. I'm yeah. just like, that's a normal thing for people to go through is like yeah. grieving the the loss of your youth, and like I don't know, yeah. I still feel like I still feel like a kid a lot of times, but um, so do I. You know, like, but still, you're 40 years old and you're realizing, like, oh, you know, like, this is it. Kind of this is middle where we age. are. Yeah. This, <laughs> is, this is what's happening. And what's happening for you is another round of, you know, sickness mm-hmm. and chemotherapy for the first time. So, yeah, that was, um, that was that. But I have such a phenomenal community, which I, I don't know. I've never known what that felt like before. And so they threw me a 40th birthday party. Well, Summer, the one I talked about earlier, who's my sister-in-law. Um, and then I've met a lot of moms. And I've made some really great friends. Um, and so community has made a big deal. But a lot of it, you know, we all are faith-based moms, women who love the Lord and love our families. Um, but they, I mean, we are emotional. We are, we have battles that we have to go through we are still in our flesh and so that was one that i really had to go through i mean i had to so and i was tutoring i was so i had to put on this happy i'm happy i'm super happy i'm tutoring your kids in grammar and go and be like yeah so 
at 40, you were going through chemotherapy, got through it, yeah. and you know, went back into life, uh-huh. and then four years later? Uh-huh. So we have a new doctor in Seattle, um, and we can telehealth, and he's really, really amazing. So he caught it, like, right out the gate um, and said, let's do a different type of chemo this time because the Temadar didn't last as long as he wanted it to. So um, we did a different one called PBC, which is all mustard gas, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so my chemo kind of hurts. Yeah. So my doctor doesn't make me go to Seattle. We do telehealth. I just go into Spokane. And so I've got a doctor here that is administering my chemotherapy. What? So then we did the vincristine, which was the infusion. Um, my doctor in Seattle said, uh, neuropathy is basically a guaranteed and your fingers or your toes. And he said, don't be surprised if you can only get in three. Well, he was really excited because I got in four. I'm like, I was, so I, know. I said, I wasn't going to tell you that it was just tiny little bit of neuropathy in my hand so that I could do more. <laughs> and he's like, Batsy. I said, I don't want to sound like a hypochondriac. And he's like, you are not a hypochondriac. Nancy says, uh, I'm going to chemo better than everybody else. <laughs> Yo, you watch me dance. <laughs> With my leg that doesn't work. <laughs> so, yeah, it's fun. So. Can't dance with a broken leg, but I do it anyway. And I cut the rug apart. With my sweetheart. With my sweetheart. With my sweetheart. We were talking about uh, my prostate. Nancy's prostate. <laughs> um, you were talking about the the change in mindset from the first chemotherapy, where you really struggled, to this chemotherapy, where I don't want to take away from the struggle. I'm sure it's been difficult, but it's been different. Um, yeah. You've made um, concerted effort to to engage it differently. Mm-hmm. So maybe talk about that a little bit. Um, I'm an uh, outgoing introvert. So it's easy to be in an island. Really? Yes. So <laughs> did, does that surprise me? <laughs> no, I can be the center nope. of attention, but then I need to go home and be alone for a long, long time. Yeah. Like, that was great. Whew. It's easy to become an island onto ourselves. Um, and so nice. last time, that's what I did. I was upset that I had to do chemotherapy, but it was scary and it was gross and I was really angry. Um, and I didn't have the same type of community because I didn't allow myself to have community. And my friends will tell you now, I shut everyone out. Can I help you? No, I'm fine. We're good. We're fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can come do this. No, it's fine. I can make you food. No, I'm good. Thank you. Um, what do you think that was? Why, pride. Why was that? It's pride. You don't want people to see how bad things are when they've all... Everyone thinks everyone else has it better. I think it's just, it is pride. You don't want to ask for help. You don't want to people see how weak you really are. Um, yeah. So I would just boil it down to pride. This time I'd already gone through it. So I've never been um, regularly in a church at any time within my journey during chemo. Mm. Um, church is a really, mm. really big deal in the South. So we um, 
started going to a church that's, you know, just really, really close. And a lot of the kids we did the homeschooling co-op with, our community, it's not a co-op. Um, we decided, well, let's try it. And um, it was community. Yeah. Um, just already, I was already had told people my story that it might happen again. I was open with um, just struggling and I would cry in front of people when I talked about my tumor, not realizing that it was going to, I didn't even know it was already coming back. I had no idea. And so uh, by the time it had already showed up again, um, I already had a community. I already had a church body who was ready to yeah. walk me through it and pray for me. And and they don't leave me alone, which is pretty great. I mean, I have t- people text That's- me all the time, how was your blood work? Wow. Uh, it was okay. So, yeah. yeah. So I would say community and having already gone through it, once before. Well, that's that is, yeah, right. You've done it before, and so now, I mean, it is different this time. But you've, it's not as scary, maybe this time. It feels worse on my body physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get exhausted. I didn't get exhausted last time. Um, it's harder on my daughter because she's thirteen. Sure. Um, how how is it hard on her? Well, I think it's time to start noticing what all the other moms can do um and it's the summer her birthday's in august so she just turned 13 so we didn't do a big party but we did i made sushi and then did all her favorite stuff for her birthday dinner here we i took her out nice with her best friend and her best friend's mom but she was able she's starting to be able to communicate that this is hard for her but it's sure. just been a lot harder for family overall this year because it's the last time I didn't have a progressive down. What do you mean? Like, well, I mean, by the time we were done, my I would think I was more volatile emotionally. Physically, okay. I, remember, I don't remember at the end feeling like, wow, this is really different. I feel really different. That my body was totally broken. I and see. this time- And you feel like this is wearing you down. Uh-huh. I don't yeah. mean progressive. Yes. And down. I don't, you know, gotcha. last time my hair got thin, this time I, I lost a bunch. You can't tell because we keep it. We just buzz it. Um, but I've lost yeah. quite a bit, which I don't care. It's actually really fun to have no hair. It's so easy. Every girl should do it. It is easy. Yeah. So, I mean, I can't wait to have hair like yours. It's going to be so much fun. <laughs> um, but I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, yeah, I just, I didn't have chemo brain last time. I absolutely had chemo brain this time. Um, do you? Oh, I do. I, I forget a lot of things. Just, what was I going to do? More than a normal 44-year-old mother would do. Just walking around the house like, what? I feel like I need to sit down. Um, last time, I didn't sit down and just fall asleep. Uh, this time, not as much now, so I can tell. And when I got my blood work today, my levels are going up. I can tell when they get better because I don't I'm not walking around doing my chores and then come to 30 I'm like oh I gotta sit in that easy chair yeah yeah uh, and then I sit down and fall asleep or I just get vegged out on my PS5 you're playing video games huh uh uh-huh. well I didn't play until this is a throwback um so I had to do occupational therapy for my left hand I'm left-handed and my whole left side is the paralyzed side which is fantastic oh wow yeah <laughs> But the way to get my motor, fine motor skills back to my hand was to play Xbox. Uh-huh. I have a you know a PS5, so I'll sit down and 
play. And I used to play Halo when I got really angry after my um, surgery. Now it really sure. helped a lot. Kill those aliens, man. Get them. Yeah. That's great. But now it's just a lot of fun. So you were saying that um, the community, community. Is, is making a big difference mm-hmm. this time. Mm-hmm. There is an element of vulnerability. Yeah. You have to have to be able to be in community and be... Um, you know, able to accept care yeah. and help. Yeah. Even if it's help, just care. I mean, just being cared for mm-hmm. with, you know, emotion is, um, you have to be vulnerable in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think was the change in you that allowed you to be, uh, like in a vulnerable space this time? You know, I would, just have to say, um, it's the Lord. I prayed a lot more. I was in my Bible a lot more. Um, yeah. Having those friends that we talk about what we need prayer with um, a lot. Saying these things to my daughter, you have to start living them out. Interesting. Yeah. You know, so, saying, more like when you hit a hard thing, we have to just push through. You know, we can't let it get us down. It's okay to feel this way and this way because I just never did. Um, and I don't know if we were taught that back in the nineties or whenever, were we? I don't know. It's a much more, uh, I think our culture is much more interested on the psyche and the emotional. I have a degree in like, believe it or not. Yeah. I think, I mean, I think for the, for the better, we're all more, a little more aware that expressing emotion is better than burying it inside. Yeah. Seems a little disjointed what I'm saying to what I do. The last what couple do you mean? Of times, well, not this time, but the, what the way that I've handled the whole thing since the beginning was just a sense of avoidance and anger, um, and I think maybe growing up and having a community and being in the word more and having a daughter who's watching you. What do you want her to see? What do you want the world to see when they know that this is what you struggle with? Um, mm. Having to come to terms with mm. and paying attention to that more than being super selfish on my own little island, which is kind of yeah. what that is, yeah. right? Yeah. It seems like it's really important for you to be um, consistent in what you say and what you do. I think it's important to you generally, but it also seems like it's really important for you for that to be evident to your daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, like yeah. to, to say, you know, I'm going to be, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be true to what I say I believe about the Bible and about God and about prayer, but also I want to say that it's important to express my emotion, no matter what the emotion is, whether it's a positive or negative emotion. And uh-huh. if I'm going to say that, then I need to display that, you know, act uh-huh. that out in front of my daughter. Um, I think that's a really interesting and important point. It's hard. It's so hard, right? Yeah. I mean, because like, I want, I want to preach these things about, um, for me, it's about being able to regulate my emotional responses and Uh I don't always do that very well. Then I need to also be able to say to myself when I don't do that all that well, that that's okay. Uh I can just accept it and move on. And uh, yeah, it's super hard to do. And um, if it's important enough, then you'll do it right. And so it Uh seems like you put a lot of conscious effort into the consistency between what you say and what you do. Literally. It also, um, you were saying before, not wanting to 
let people in um, the first time yeah. and how that the ego was what was keeping you from it, pride, ego, yeah. and mm -hmm. how that has changed this time yeah. and you put so much of it on community. And I wonder if there is a little bit of when we get into a community of people that really love us and care if, care for us or who we are, where we feel safe, mm -hmm. if some of that um, ego, that that wall of pride kind of dissipates a little bit. I'm mm -hmm. sure we all still carry it around, but oh, I wonder yeah. if that's a little bit of it. Just, you know, I'm safe enough that I can let people help me a little bit. Um, yeah. Do you think that's part of it? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a reason that growing up with sisters, there's no reason to make friends. Um, it's, it's absolutely true. And oh, that's so true. Yeah. That, that, oh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Hmm. And so you don't, you don't get hurt. And if you do, it's your sister and you just, whatever. We love each other. We're always going to be there. There's no real vulnerability because it's my sister's. Right. We know no right. matter what we do, we will always love each other. You can't get away from us. Sure. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's hard. No one wants to get hurt. No one wants no. to share exactly what they're going through because maybe you won't understand. And there's not very many people who've been on this exact journey as I have, but they all, everyone has the things that they go through physical, <laughs> mentally, spiritually. Everyone goes through something. And I think that's part of what you were saying about growing up. Like we just we just grow up and we start to recognize, oh, everybody has their stuff. Mm -hmm. right? Everybody has their thing that they go through. And for for you, it's a tumor that keeps coming back in your brain. <laughs> and you know, there's a lot of stuff that people carry around that mm -hmm. is a struggle. And and yeah, I think maybe the longer we live, the more we realize that everybody has their stuff. That's cool. Yeah. Cool. Absolutely. Good job, Nancy. Huh, thanks. <laughs> and there's always somebody who has it worse. I mean, sure. I I, I don't like I, I um I've appreciated what you said so far about the um, except for that part. <laughs> except for the part that you just said, the part that I don't like. <laughs> yeah, the, just kidding. the other stuff I really appreciate. No, what I was uh, I was going to say about comparing. You know, comparing myself to somebody else is you know it's just an impossible thing i mean to live with you can't live comparing yourself to one another and i think people in the hospital tell me this a lot oh you know the person down the hall has it much worse than me and that is i mean that is a that's a classical way of um approaching suffering is it deflection and also no I don't, I don't necessarily think so i think it's um i think it's perspective it gives you perspective, right? And that's helpful. And also what you're carrying and what you're dealing with is hard. Um, and I think um, sometimes it can be deflection when you are like, what I'm dealing with is not hard. What they're dealing with is hard. Okay. What you're dealing with is hard too. And we shouldn't take away from that. It's yeah. difficult. What you're dealing with is difficult. There's no, <laughs> there's no way around it. So yeah, I think there are always people who have things worse and there are people who have things better but what you're dealing with is still what you're dealing with mm -hmm. and it's it's yours to carry oh, it's and, validation uh, it's hard for sure so you're going through this now yeah you're getting chemotherapy hopefully what next week week after two weeks i get blood drawn again 
And then if then my numbers are good enough, we'll do my next round of lumistine. Your is the tumor getting monitored at oh, this point? Yeah, I haven't said that. It shrunk. It's already okay. shrunk. Yeah. So if my numbers are good enough to do chemo, we'll do chemo. If my numbers just aren't coming up and they, my body needs to heal, he said we can evaluate in a couple of weeks whether we want to continue. Um, I think the general consensus with both doctors and Robert, and I'm coming to, I'm coming along, is just try and finish it, whether that takes six more months. Just try and finish it. I mean, it. I just want to acknowledge that uh, you're the only one living in your body. It's true. And <laughs> while everybody else can be all for uh, finishing out the chemotherapy, you have to be the one to do it, and that's that's really hard. It is, but when you have people helping, it makes a difference. Yeah, and uh, I will if I don't want to. I will say something. Yeah. So I had a bluesy weekend last weekend when they mm. said they needed to get an ultrasound of my liver, um, because my counts were so high. I mean, so I'm just going another thing. Um, right. So I was by Saturday. I was pretty angry. And just saying, you know what? It's ruining my body. It's it's taxing my organs. I'm done. So I was angry, but I was able to tell my friends and just be like, my body's betrayed me yet again. That's what I call it. Happened. My body betrays me. Let out my little temper tantrum and I'm okay. So yeah. it's nice to have people I can tell. So yeah. now that I know that it's not actually decaying and ruining my organs. That's good. So I allowed myself to be angry and I'm okay. That's, I mean, that's a good point. Just letting it out. Well, it becomes so repressed, fun. yeah. And you have repression. So, yeah. And it comes out whether you want it to or not. Say, why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside? Why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside? five years, 10 years down the road, it comes back again. Um, how does that feel? I guess, I guess that's the question really I'm, I'm wanting to know is like, you know, you know that it's at some point, um, likely to come back. Yeah. It could not, I suppose, but, um, you know, like it has so far and yeah. How does that feel? So I tell people according to science, it will always come back, but the Lord can heal yeah. it, but he doesn't have to. So when people say, I'm going to pray for healing, well, yeah, if the Lord wants to heal me, he will. But if he doesn't, he's still good. It's still fine. I'm still fine. I mean, if I die, I go to heaven. So, hey, no, really, honestly, it's, we've gone through it enough that I've come to grips with it enough emotionally and mentally. It will be hard if we do it again. It's always going to be hard. And we're in a different stage of life. So if it's five years from now, Kayla's going to be 18. Oof. Um, that'll be a whole different stage of life. Right. Um, so I see a lot of people in the hospital who have um, just gotten their diagnosis, right? Oh. Um, immediately after diagnosis. And I get a lot of, you know, I'm going to be okay because, um, because, you know, I have faith in God, right? Mm -hmm. 
And it's it's always interesting to kind of pick out what that means to people. Yeah. Um, because some people mean I'm going to live through this incurable illness because I have faith in God, because God's going to heal me. And some people mean I'm going to be okay and I am okay because I have faith that no matter what happens to me, I'm going to be okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what I hear you saying. Mm-hmm. Has that always been how you've thought about this? Yes, actually. And I'll... I've read some journals of mine and it said, I'm angry. I don't know why this is, but I've never felt abandoned by the Lord. I don't understand him, but I've never felt abandoned. And I've been furious. And I think if you don't express your emotions with your relationship with the Lord, then you need to. Um, He's not scared. Um, But yes, I've always, so when I first got diagnosed, I was a lot like some of those people. I'm going to be healed. Um, and that I just wasn't, and it's yeah. But no, I've never felt abandoned. I've never turned my back on my faith. But some people do, and I just I think yeah. that you yeah. can turn your back, but he's not going to turn his back. Well, it's interesting because you've never turned your back on your faith, mm-hmm. but it seems like maybe your faith has changed. Oh yeah, over time a little bit. Well, it's like any relationship; it matures, it grows. Um, yes, my faith has changed. From immaturity and oh, to you know, it's like a marriage. Oh, yeah. we have butterflies and it's beautiful. And then after you know, twenty years, it's we have a different relationship. It's more mature. It's more authentic and a little more realistic. Yes. And what if my healing looks different? You know, maybe he is going to heal me, but it might not be what I think it's going to look like. I say that a lot to people like, you know, they always say, you know, we're, we're hoping for a miracle and my hope for them is that they don't miss it. Yeah. <laughs> they don't miss the miracle that's happening because they're looking for a very specific miracle. Yes. There's, there's lots of things that are miraculous that are happening all the time. The way that people show up for you, you know, the way your community shows up for you. I mean, if that's not miraculous, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what is. I mean, that's just. It's a beautiful thing to see to see people showing up and caring for people, and um, especially when they're not family. I think that's mm-hmm. I think it's beautiful, and um, like for for people who are hoping that for that one specific miracle of healing or whatever it is, hoping so much for that that they can't see the beauty of what's happening around them. Um, yeah, and you can't see what's happening within you either. Yeah. <laughs> Even that, I mean, yeah, right. W- what a great miracle to come to go from a place of uh, fear and ego and mm-hmm. pride to a place of acceptance and vulnerability mm-hmm. and immunity. I mean, uh, what a that's a, that's miraculous. Yeah, it's quite a it's quite a journey. Yeah, <laughs> but he molds us into who he wants us to be if we let him. So that's what I... There has to be some participation in that, right? Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to sit here and just stonewall anybody, including the Lord, then, you know, you'll be along. Yeah. So that's what I think. Yeah. No, I I like that. I I think that a lot about prayer, too, that prayer, people use it as a way to get what they want. And I think a lot of times prayer... 
can be used uh, to change me, right? Like the, Absolutely. the internal work is um, is the work of prayer. Yes, agree. God's not a genie in a bottle. Nancy said it. I didn't say that. <laughs> I did. I did. If you don't want to talk about this, we don't have to. But um, uh, I'm curious. Not- so um, if if there's not some kind of you know miracle cure with this with this tumor and this thing goes and then you know comes back and goes and comes back eventually at some point you know either the chemo won't work or the the seizure will um end your life what i don't know i I don't know what the question is except for what does that make you think or how do you feel about that well i've had a long time to um two on that yeah which is part of the reason i want to i want to hear it from you because i think um i mean i've talked to some people i've talked to a ton of people who have an illness that they will likely die from i have talked to nobody i don't think that has had um so long to sit with it well because i've had such a long time I don't know if my response would be the same 20 years ago. I would hope, yeah. <laughs> but having such a long time to chew on it, I can agree with Paul um, to live as Christ, to die as gain. Mm. I'm tired of this old body. I'm 20 years in a, in a body that's broken physically. My physical body is broken and continues yeah. to break for 20 years. Um that's almost half of my life. So, uh, you know, you get to a point where along the journey and you face all of these things, I, I can say, I can agree with Paul on that one. Yes. Just because you get tired of the body and your faith exponentially grows when you have to go through the ups and downs that, uh, you know, we go through. That it's like, well, am I done or am I not done? If I'm done, what does that look like? I'm not going to commit suicide. I'm not going to cast judgment because it's hard. Life is hard, but I mean, I'm not going to. It's just whenever right. I whenever I go, I go. But it's just, yeah, that I can say that freely now without sounding like a super Christian, you know? I, I think probably 10 years ago, I wouldn't have ever imagined a time when I would have been able to say like, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of life, you know? Well, well. Uh, the older I get, the more I, I catch little glimpses of like, oh, I can see when I might be done with uh-huh. life. Uh-huh. And I, I talk to old people all the time <laughs> who are very much, you know, 90 years old. And like you, they've lived half their life in a body that's not doing well. Uh-huh. And um, they're just like, can I go already? Can uh-huh. I just stop? It, my phrase is, it is what it is. I used to cringe at that a little bit because it doesn't, because it's never what it's not. <laughs> it always is what it is. Well, well, but recently I've, I've um, come to appreciate it more because it speaks to acceptance of mm-hmm. what it is. It is what it is. Yep. And I accept whatever's happening. It, it, it's what's happening. And, yep. um, and I'm just going to accept it and move on. You know, I yep. could spend a lot of emotional energy. I mean, I imagine you could spend a lot of emotional energy re- wishing things were different than what they are. Sure. And I imagine you do spend some. Yeah, um, I still do. Yeah, I will. Yeah. Until I die. Yeah. And I would too. And I do. 
But the reality is, it is what it is. It's happening. Love that. And you can spend your emotional energy elsewhere. So Yeah. And your mental energy. It all goes together. Yep. All of it. Yeah. Mental, People emotional, forget, spiritual, yeah. physical, all of it. I yeah. mean, it, People yeah. forget about the mind game, too. They don't give their thought life enough credit. Say more. What do you mean? I don't believe in the, I think, therefore I am. I think, I don't believe in that at all. Um, but you think about something long enough, your focus goes towards that. Your thought life can skew things. You know, it, it will skew your perception of things. Um, I mean, when I was in radiation therapy, it was really interesting to sit in a room waiting for your table um, with a bunch of ladies with um, going through radiation for all sorts of cancers and just seeing the ones who remained positive and we were laughing and just didn't allow it to break them. Yeah. We would joke, yeah. we would, you know, it's, it's, a lot of it is just your thoughts, like, Am I going to focus in on this negative? Am I going to focus on the fact that I'm not feeling good? I mean, not by the time I was in radiation, with radiation, I was on a cane again because it was hitting that part of my brain. And then I had to walk past the men <laughs> in their room and they were all just sitting there. It was just funny. I mean, I'm not going to generalize that to gender, but it was funny that they felt sorry for themselves or like they just sat there and they weren't talking to each other. Ego. Ego. Oh, there it is. I mean, come on. They, you, can't, you can't sit in a room full of men and be vulnerable and and talk about how broken you are. No, I mean, no. And certainly you can't sit there and laugh about how broken you are. Yeah. I mean, That's true. Ah, the mental energy you the give food. to something. Yeah. Yes. Um, and you have a choice. Yeah. There is, there is some choice. And of course, there are times when, you know, disturbing thoughts or oh, unpleasant yeah. thoughts come in and I think you have a, a choice about what you do with those thoughts. Absolutely. We are free people. We're not autonomous robots. <laughs> it sounds like humor has been important. It's always been important. I it's kind of a deflection too. Like sometimes I'll make jokes sure. and the, I'm I'm that girl that's gonna laugh at the funeral. Yeah, I mean I, I laugh at everything. I yeah. mean joy is important. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a way to find joy in almost anything and oh, i yes. certainly can humor in almost anything yeah there is a way to find joy in everything it's not easy not easy or yeah and you know james talks about it consider it pure joy my brothers whenever you face trials of many kinds right joy is different than happy it's deep rooted mm-hmm. and i think your thought life has a lot to do with it. sure what are you focusing on are you focusing on all the what was that if you die from what do you want to see it coming or do you want it to be quick i don't care you mean like do i want to feel it no i just mean like have have um like time to wrap up with family or um or whatever or do you feel like you're you're wrapped up like you you have things settled, and you just you would just want to. You go know, I've quick. thought about. I have thought about that. Um, people say, "Before I die, I want to blah blah blah." Before I die, I, I would like to go mm. see all my siblings. <laughs> so, Kevin, my younger brother, is in North Carolina in the Coast Guard. Melly is in Ohio. Um, I have two older siblings who are in Texas, so I get to see them. And Kim's down in Arizona. I would just like to see all my family. Um, 
Yeah. I don't need to go across the globe on this. But you know, I can't bike across the country, so let me hell. <laughs> oh my god, what are we doing? Hey, you could dance. I could dance. Dance across. <laughs> we'll go all yeah. the way across I ninety. Oh man! Um, but I would like to see my family right. and go down and see my daddy. Yeah. which I, we go to Texas once a year. Grandmother, my grandmother yeah. is one hundred and three in October. Oh, crazy! How's she doing? She okay? She's pretty great. We have good genes. So the doctor said this. Uh, originally, he said the tumor might take twenty years off your life. I said, "Sweet, I'll make it to 80. Yeah, really? No kidding. But yeah, to answer your question, I'd probably just want to see my family. Okay. And just go see them. They don't need to all come together because big families have big drama. So why don't we just go over there at your house and say hi? <laughs> big families with lots of just lots drive. of sisters have big family drama. I yeah. Hey yeah. guys, here's Ohio. <laughs> hey, here's North Carolina. <laughs> farewell tour, Nancy's farewell yeah. tour. We're gonna dance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, how do you want to be remembered? Someone who's kind, someone who's funny, and someone who loves the Lord. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. Yeah, I don't know if I'm doing that. At least there's, I make people laugh. I mean, I think you're batting uh, a thousand on that. I think you got, I, got no, I don't know about that, but thank you. Someone told me about, um, I had angel energy and which was very, very kind. Yeah. And I, my, my daughter's like, mm, you have a grumpy energy. <laughs> <laughs> so then I'll just be like, here's my, here's my energy. <laughs> and then uh and this is really funny this you'll get kicked out of this 13 year olds are fun she goes i don't remember what we were talking about but she said and this is just long lines of my how people see me she said daddy is super cool you're a nerd and i'm totally awesome and i'm like i'm a nerd <laughs> i'm not a nerd me <laughs> <laughs> I can't get about you didn't know, you didn't know me twenty years ago, but I'm like, well, I am so glad that you have such an elevated sense of self. <laughs> That's right, her self esteem. Yeah, we've charts. done well. Good job, Robert. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, that's that's that. I guess. Well, thank you. You're welcome. How do you feel? Bye. Good. Yeah, there it is. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> uh, oh, no, man. I feel good. You feel, feel like you've said what you wanted to say? Yeah. I don't, there's, good. I talk a lot, so. You did. That's the whole point. <laughs> and there you have it, friends. Two 44-year-olds who met in ninth grade reconnecting over mortality talking about growing faith and developing vulnerability through living with a brain tumor that will never completely go away. Nancy's grown a lot since high school, but she still has that same infectious laugh. There's so much to unpack from this conversation, which I will do next week on episode 3.5. Thank you for listening. As always, if you or a loved one is living with a life-limiting illness, and would be willing to share your story, please call me or get in touch through social media or email us at dttypod at gmail.com. This is Dying to Tell You.